0: to the chase okay what do you guys selling? if you're
1: drowning and i throw you a life jacket would you grab it
0: yes good
1: pick up 200 shares i won't let you down pay
0: him pay that man
1: his money ask him how they'd like to see 30 40 percent returns what are they gonna say no i don't want to see
2: those returns where's the
1: money labowski you're gonna make a lot of money right be aggressive learn how to push
0: show him a three percent return I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend.
1: I'm a big fan of money. Move
3: around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Hello, Hawk, I'm I'm Andrew on the board. S&P futures are down a little bit here. Let me get the number. We're down uh, We're down 15. Uh, Dow futures down 111. NASDAQ futures down 46. So, big rally yesterday. We are looking to give back some of it here today and Kind of, unfortunately, it was kind of open for a two-day rally in the end of the year. We might still get it, but as of now, not so much. So, uh do we have Mr. Kevin? Good
4: morning. You do have me here. Happy New Year.
3: Happy New Year to you and uh, to all listeners, and we'll, of course, say that at the end of the show. But, uh, um I don't know, but but this year, I guess we all survived, so that was a good year in that regard. <laughs> but, I don't know that I've seen a more challenging year. So,
4: so what you're really saying is, the, the, the sentiment is happy anything but the last
3: year. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I don't We, uh, you know, in, in just in our m- management here, which everybody knows I do for people, uh, I don't know when we've had to work harder to do the same thing that we normally did easier ever. Up and down, up and down. Where we were adjusting positions every day, every other day for a whole friggin' year. I mean, it's no, no respite. Everything was, you know... W- where we had calls that were fifteen dollars in the money that four days later were fifteen dollars out of the money, four and five times this year. I mean, I never. I don't see how anybody could have hung in there with a non-managed fund, and just watch this thing, watch your money just disappear. And yet, people, people have. I don't know if they, if they always, if there's some kind of mentality where they think it was the house's money or something. I, 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 I just don't get it, Kevin. I mean, every every year I get, I, <laughs> seems like I get more and more. Enthralled with people's mentality, where they had this massive run-up and all this stuff the year before, to where they were at, at numbers at which you couldn't you couldn't get anything out of people. I mean, where, and, and yet you couldn't say, God, you know, where do you think this thing is going to go? I, I uh, there was a we did a seminar back in must have been early 2000. It was in the Bahamas. Well, these other people did it. We just went down and spoke. We had 65 people. This is this is how much you know, things were crazed in 2000, but not much different than these last couple of years. Pretty much, what people never change. And I was, uh, I don't know if probably told the story before. But it was a long time. The uh, so I'm lecturing in Micron, uh, which is now what the hell is Micron? I don't think it's split or anything. But let me let me find out where where it was is M uh, M U. I know I got it up here someplace. There we go. Micron is 50 bucks. Okay, so Micron's trading. Like ninety five. This is I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess say spring of two thousand before things started to go down. Two thousand and one maybe. And uh, so <laughs> all these people in the room, everybody's got micron. It was you know, that was one of the Cisco's, it was one of those stocks that everybody had. It wasn't uh it wasn't like Cisco or Oracle, but every a lot of people had Micron. Especially a lot of people in the room. So I go, Okay, it's ninety five bucks. Where does this have to go to where you're gonna roll over on a Monday morning and say enough, I'm selling half of it, or I'm selling you know, it's now become a, a bigger portion of my portfolio that I like uh, it's you know, I, I need to get rid of some of it, or I need to hedge it I need to do something, maybe buy a put, sell a call, who knows you know, if you're not into options, just, just lighten up on the stock and uh, everybody's like why, why would we sell it, it keeps going up, it's going to keep going up, I said, what if I were to do something really stupid and say I'll give you 120 for it right now when it's trading 95 got hand goes up Man, you're just trying to steal from us. You know it's worth 140. That was that was the answer I got. And I'm, Kevin, I'm like, what is with these people? A year and a half later, I think it was six. Plain six, and it's been back down to six again. Back up. That stock has been up and down all over the place, and yet, and, and this we're talking, you know, 22 years ago, and the same thing this year. God, why don't you sell some of your Amazon? Why don't you sell some of your? Meta? You really think Netflix is worth this? Why would I sell my winner? It's, it, everybody says to keep on. Everybody says it's a buy. Who the hell is everybody? I mean, I mean, there's 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 no these stacks. There's there's kind of a difference, Kevin. Okay? I, mean, I I think and you know quiz or uh, critique me on this. If you buy if you buy a stack, you know I'm not going to say which ones. Like I will. I mean, if you if you buy a an old line stack, you, you know maybe it's maybe it's an XN, maybe it's whatever. I mean, Exxon oil oil's been pretty volatile too, but. A procker gamble uh, you know these companies that you you can hang on to the stock and you're gonna get this dividend well you hope you're gonna get this dividend check for the next twenty years they're they're gonna share with you and some of the 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 you know the, the bountiful gains, so we say so you can probably say i'm gonna I'm gonna keep this stock you know unless some crazy stuff happens and it runs away up or runs away down I'm just gonna hang on to it and I'm gonna get my dividends and it's gonna to grow a little bit and everybody's gonna be happy well that's that's one way of investing and maybe a good way, you know, for depending on the time and the whatever, but the other one is if you got a stock and they tell you, they flat out tell you, we're never going to give you a friggin' dime, ever, ever, ever. We're going to give ourselves, we're going to buy other stock back for us, for our bonuses, we're going to give ourselves bonuses. You're never going to get a dime. So your only return is if the stock goes up, if, if the stock appreciates in price. So in that instance, you have to become your own, shall we say, uh, you've got to grab your own money on your own. They're not going to give it to you. I mean, some of these people are just never going to pay a dividend. Warren Buffett never pays a dividend. But At some point, you're going to have to say, I'm out of this. The, the opportunities for Warren Buffett are, you know, they seem to be less. I don't know who's going to take over when he's not around. Blah blah blah. I'm not saying I'm not saying sell today. I'm not saying sell I'm not saying do anything. I'm just saying at some point your return has to become you. If a stock goes from ten to thirty, you gotta say, I just made twenty bucks. These guys, they're gonna keep hacking away, they're gonna buy other stuff, they're gonna buy other businesses, they're gonna give themselves bonuses. They're not gonna I'm not gonna share it all in any of this. So the only way I'm gonna get my money is to sell it when it's up. I mean, am I wrong with yeah, that? Yeah,
4: and just to, to shorten it up a little bit, it sounds like what, what you're saying is all you have, unless you turn it into profit, into real profit, all you have is book value. Right. And you have increasing book value, and that's nice. That, that's a good thing, but you, that uh, there, there's no guarantee that the book value is going to be just as valuable
3: tomorrow. Well, I mean, I look at this Tesla situation, and again, I if anybody down has watched Tesla go all the way down, I'm sorry that it happened to you. But I, at some point, the stock is... is uh, the thing is worth more than every other auto company combined. Okay, that's a little that's a little rich. I know they you know they got some other stuff going. I know, and the guy has a, is a has some amazing talents. This guy Musk, but he also has some very serious problems. Seems like everybody who has uh, the ability to do something nobody else can do seems to have uh, something else hanging around their neck that brings them right back to average like everybody else. But. Uh, when, what what were you expecting when the stock was you know for God's sake where was it all look and see, I mean what where where did you expect it to go if you if if you were smart enough to buy it at uh, at you know at whatever price uh, you know it, it uh, well let's let's find out let's go back on Tesla for a couple of years here uh, if you if you were if you bought it at one hundred and you rode it to four hundred at least now it's a small it's it's too big of a part of your hedge portfolio. So if you bought some nice enough, good enough to buy 1,000 shares, and it goes up by a factor of three, if you do have any kind of balanced portfolio, you need to sell some of it just because it's now too big of a part of your portfolio. But nothing is more counterintuitive, Kevin, than, than to tell somebody to sell their winners and buy more of their losers. I mean, it's, but the fact is, the thing at 400 was an, an outrageous valuation. I mean, Outrageous. And, and, and what did people expect to happen? Six hundred, eight hundred, thousand? I mean, <coughs> the Fed is going to keep pouring more and more money. It's just, it, it's been a very strange year. And I, I you know, I just, I, I wish people, I mean, some of the people that we do a lot of business for have a lot of their own stack. And a lot of their own stack with these stacks that were down a bunch. And I feel real bad for them, my clients. But they wanted no help, wouldn't take any advice. That was, that's the game. And to this day, you know, tells us it's going to be 500 someday. Okay. <coughs> some guy yesterday just said... Uh, he lowered his valuation on Tesla from like 260 to 250. 250. stacks 120. Okay, I, I don't know, whatever. So um, that's my rant for the year. But it was a very, very difficult year to manage stuff because it was hard to stay even. We've been up, down, up, down, up, down. <coughs> and um, even if you bought puts and tried to protect stuff, even if you bought the puts at 400 and it's down to 120, well, you're going to do a hell of a lot better than, than down 280, which you're not going to be up you know and then down is down i mean uh even if i hedge something for somebody and the stack goes down hundred and i make 90 of it back i still say it's down 10 you know it's still not good Kevin. right it's better than it could be but it's still not good just saying well i
4: think dave barry's um year in review is much more fun
3: than yours yeah well the market's been it's, it's been very difficult i mean down 30 percent in the nasdaq that's difficult That's 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 horrible. I mean, um, now granted, it ran up and ran down, which maybe a lot of people just did the U-turn. You know, they bought a stock at 100, watch it go to 300, it's back to 100. Uh, You know, so I mean, still, it's you know, it's not like gambling. But if if you go into a casino and you're playing blackjack and you put up 200 bucks and you're up to six and you leave with 200, you don't feel so hot, do you? You Probably not. Because I mean, it's very rare for you to win like that (laughs) to give it all back. It's not good. So then we have the, the sports world. I, I, have, I have people, Kevin, that are going to have uh, guys, or Mike's calling, and we'll talk about this a little bit, but the place where this, this uh, college sports is going, I don't know if a lot of people want to go with it. I mean, whether they want to do a they, – they, whether they're anxious enough for their team to have this professional thing about them paying everybody and guys leaving back and forth and coaches, you know, becoming – you know, dealing with agents more than they are with people. And I I, I don't know where this is going to land. This is it going to land where people – I guess people are still going to watch it because they have nothing else to watch. Maybe some people feel that way, but it just seems odd to well, it's it, college sports is minor league sports, and what what they have that works for them is
4: that the uh, uh, is that they they have that alma mater tie for alumni state you know state U uh, for a lot of others, <laughs> and you know so they always they always had this kind of you know, heartstring tug that uh, many of the pro teams don't have. And they also have, they all, always had a reach into areas where there weren't professional sports. So, you know, there, there's no, you know, there's no Birmingham professional sports team to speak of, uh, or at least in the major
3: leagues. Yeah, um, so no you, you run into all that, and that's what they always had. And yes, to a great extent,
5: that's, uh, um, you know, whatever whatever that charm, whatever that
4: pull was, um, and, you, you know, you'd have players there for their, their entire education and so on, it, 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 that, is, that is being under, undermined. However, I, you know, and you've, you've mentioned this a few times, and you and I have never really gotten into it on the show, it, it is not different from what has happened in the past. It may be more prevalent. It's certainly more above board. But you know, I take you back to a few years ago when the FBI had that investigation, um, and you you may recall, uh, probably the the uh, uh, best illustration is uh, Brian Bowen, who uh, who signed on with Louisville. Louisville didn't get involved in his recruitment until you know it, it was out of the blue. He came out on on signing day and said, "I've decided to go to Louisville," and. The common reaction was nobody knew you were even in any serious recruitment with uh, with them, and as it turns out, you know how did they land them? Well, Adidas forked over a uh, uh, hundred grand for him to go to Louisville. So you know that's it, 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 that kind of stuff has been going on for a long time. It's it's the same stuff. It's more prevalent now because it is not against the rules anymore. So. You got a lot of people who just who would have said no. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get myself in trouble uh, with the NCAA. Who are now saying, well, I'm, I'm not gonna get in trouble with the NCAA. So you will get like uh, a guy like a Michael Mayer as an example, uh, the tight end from Notre Dame who who has deals with. You see him looking at it. He has Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, which is local in, in the uh, South Bend slash Michiana area. But he's also got with Roback, uh, which is a leisure clothing um, uh, manufacturer, and he's got a deal with Levi's. And it's as, as it turns out, because I, you know, you think about it, and I think, God, I never see these guys. Uh, you know, I never see an ad with Michael Mayer doing Levi's. Well, it turns out they're doing a lot of what they're doing is um, social media advertising. So it's not the kind of thing you would necessarily see, unless you're on a lot of social media
3: platforms. Well, I would say that my Notre Dame pals, you included, are into this, it's the same old crap, just a little bit more out in the open and blah, blah, blah. I finally found somebody who agree with me that it's not even on the same league as the other stuff, and that was our buddy Lou yesterday, when he said all those people are nuts. No, 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 and, no, 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 but he's, he's, he's not agreeing with you. He, when he says it's not in the same league, it's, it's the, it's quantity, um to a large degree and
0: it's how out in the open it is but I'm not sure that they you know in some cases the dollar valuations are way out of the league of what they used to be but it but for the most part they're not
3: I'm going to say that right now Michael Mayer has an agent where two years ago if he did he'd he'd be banned from college sports he already has an agent he couldn't before.
4: yes he, he has a marketing agent. Well, yeah, well, he probably has not even
3: not that, hire a player agent. It's the same. T- what's the difference? He's not going to make calls for the other stuff. What's the difference?
4: Uh, one specializes in negotiating your contract with the NFL. The other
3: uh, is is i right, I'm, I'm going to say this. This. Um, okay, well they, they they can split hairs there, but the point is you have somebody working for not you. splitting
4: hairs. This is a substantial difference in what they do. Uh,
3: I think, I'm think i thinking they're doing both. I'm thinking they're the ones that are bringing people to other schools and everything else. They're the ones making the phone call to some other school saying, what do you got? They're not the pro guy. I agree with you there. But they're an agent in college. W- working the transfer portal.
4: Yeah, it, yeah uh, could be. I, and, and I don't know if they hire them you know, during high school recruitment or not. What I am telling you is that you've cited the Iowa story uh, a couple of times this week, and that's why is that different than Brian Bowen? you got a, you got a better offer at the last minute from Louisville, so he took it. Um, why is that you know why is uh, the Iowa guy were, I got a better I, offer I from think there's, Alabama, so a better financial offer from Alabama so I took it
3: I think there's a difference why, between you know, four why,
4: what's the difference other than
3: you know maybe the dollar amounts? I think the difference is one was everybody knew the sleazy coaches. Everybody knew that they went around, and and some players followed them. So, yes, on a, on a, there always was a, a bad side to this. And I also know, I mean, I, I'm not naive enough to not think that there was, oh, man, my hell, my, Kevin, my cousin played at the University of Colorado. He had a guy, all right? He had a guy that probably took care of, uh, you know, 50 bucks a week or 100 bucks a week or something so he could buy a pizza when, when it was against the rules to get any kind of money whatsoever. And we all, we all know that happened. We also know it was... It was, a, was a probably a cash transaction where the guy took it out of his own pocket. We're not talking about an LLC paying my cousin 50 grand a year and, and, and all of a sudden it's, he's got tax issues. It's another place paying the guy a, a huge salary to work for a third party. It's not even on the same planet, in my opinion. And it isn't at all. And now, and now it's the point where everybody has to do it. It's quite a difference. I mean, I, I'm sure that it, 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 at Notre Dame, when, actually, those guys got uh, caught the one time when they, the one, the one guy when Lou Holtz was there. They gave the kid fifty bucks for the Greyhound Fair It was Uncle's funeral or something, and, and it got written up by the NCAA. Okay, well, the, the NCAA wouldn't even consider that now. Not that it was a good idea back then, but now we're we're talking about now. Everybody has to do this. Where some schools, I, I honestly believe, are going to bail. I'm not so sure. Five years down the road, when it, if it gets really bad. I'm not so sure the Irish are into it, to be honest with you. If it gets ridiculous, which I think it's going to get, I think Northwestern Boston oh College. Oh no,
4: it's already ridiculous.
3: Well, I'm saying it's
4: I, it not going to get ridiculous. It is ridiculous.
3: But there's there's going to be some people at the Notre Dame board that are going to say, you know what? Look at look at this university we have here. It's it's gorgeous. It's incredible. We're doing stuff for people all over the world. Do we really need this? This you know this. Toilet on our campus, which is which it's oh, become, and As
4: they sunk four hundred million into uh, stadium renovations I, I,
3: a I, few I, years ago, um, I think they're probably going okay, go to okay. And it's a, to recover that. It's the same argument that I get from the Northwestern people. That hey, they're, they're putting up a new stadium, and I and I get it. I mean, if you're doing that, you're obviously looking for the future. But I, I'm saying I think this is overrun. Well, but it, it tells me they're not looking to get out of it. Okay, but it, I also think that the stadium planning has been in the f- stage for five years in the last two years this is broken this is like i'm going to remodel my house and i've been doing i've been planning it for three years wait a minute the upstream dam just broke i don't have a house anymore it doesn't even look like i'm saying that th- what is happening right now is is, is potentially going to overwhelm all this other stuff all this planning because i don't think northwestern wants to be bidding for kids Trying to get them into school, I don't think I don't think that's anywhere near in their DNA. It never has been. I don't, I don't think they want to do it. I mean, in my opinion, it maybe won't be it will be somebody else. Maybe Boston. Well, they,
4: they may not want to do it, but then they, you know, if, if hey, if they make the uh, conscious decision to say that's not us. We're going to go the way of the University of Chicago. Cool, good for them. I, you know, and and they could probably uh, afford to do it. Um, but I remember. Uh, when uh, Gordon uh, Gordon G was the uh, president of Ohio State, he got recorded, you know, in a some kind of uh, you know local meeting uh, uh, talking about it. And he talked about how you know the, the having money is, how it is you know how important it is to them to get money, how important you know how how tied uh, the athletics program is their ability to get research grants and, uh, you know, and everything else that, the, you know, that colleges rely on. It, the, the whole thing is interrelated. The whole, you know, just the sleaziest aspects of, uh, of college anything are all interrelated, and they get tied up in sports. So when these teams, you know, you saw the, the what, billion-dollar deal that the uh, Big Ten just signed uh, for, for media rights? You know, you, you keep thinking that's going to come crashing down, that there's no way that that's, that can continue, and yet they go out and sign the next big, you know, multi-year contract. And, you know, i I just not envisioning Northwestern walking away from that kind of, the the way, of cash. By the way, this is the
3: same argument we had or discussion we had at the beginning of the show. It's like the stock. If it's up high, how can I possibly get out? It's going only going to go higher. I mean, there, there is... I believe, I think... Yeah, there's a
4: difference, though. There's a difference when you have a media rights thing, because what what that one is, is you have a multi-year
3: contract. You get to sign a multi-year contract with your stock that says it's going to maintain okay, the but, price, right, and, and it's going
4: to give you, you that cash
3: flow everybody uh,
4: has, for the next five years or seven years or whatever the
3: uh, length of it is. Everybody has this point um, kind of view that, that these, these, these programs make an absolute fortune. I'm going to say that if, as time goes by, everything goes to equilibrium, Kevin. Everything goes to equilibrium. If all of a sudden Northwestern gets another five million, all of a sudden the coaches will be paid ten million. Someplace along the line, I'm going to say that if I were to dig into Boston College, for instance, I'm going to say I bet they're not even. I bet they're close to break even. If we took all these places apart, I'm not so sure with the costs that have gone up for some of these people, the travel, the intert- all the other stuff that goes with it. I'm not so sure that they're all raking it in. Some of the conferences, if you're in the conference and getting this TV money, yeah. But I mean, I, I'm not so sure that somebody's not buying a tap with 25 million per shortstop right now in baseball. So you get you're paying four guys on the team 25 million. You're paying the rest of the guys one million. I don't know if that's a, a long term plan. Do you? I mean, it, I just I just look at this. Well, different. it
4: works out well for the colleges because they can pay four guys that much money, and and yet it's not coming from them, so they don't
3: care. Well, but I mean, if they end up having what what if it's not a bunch of dumb alumni paying everybody two three hundred grand a year. What if it's the college having to do it? I, I, do they make any money? Well, but, well look
4: at it this way: um, we, you know, I, I think I've sketched out this math on the uh, on the air before, um, and, and I can't, you know, I'm not uh, probably not going to pull it off. But let's just say, at your worst case, um, you're, that you're an expensive school, you're Notre Dame, so it's it's let's just say seventy grand a year, um, and 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 of course for the athletes. Uh, the marginal cost of having them there is not the fully loaded cost of uh, of tuition, room, and board, but let's charge the fully loaded cost. Right. Well, uh, so, you know, just multiply, you know, the 70 grand times, uh, uh, times 85 scholarship players. So let's see what's that come to. I got a calculator right here. So 85 times 7... Zero 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 equals uh, that would be uh, fi- almost six million bucks, just short of six million bucks. Um, how's that compare to the NFL salary cap?
3: Well, I mean, but the the assumption you're making here—we got to go to break. So, so is so, it's,
4: so you, you tell me, given the revenue streams that you have for colleges, and it's not it's not sixteen games, so it's not sixteen. Uh, you know, it's not eight home games, but it's quite a bit. So, given the revenue streams that they have, is there still wiggle room in there?
3: Well, all right. <laughs> no.
4: You know, uh, over and above that $6 million bucks, Assump- And if it's a state school and it's half of that uh, Kevin, uh, on the a Assump- fully loaded basis, is there still wiggle room the, the in there entire- for, them, uh, uh, for them to make a payroll? Yeah. Okay. This, this is the one of the great scams of all time. We're going to call it an extracurricular activity. <coughs> we don't have to pay these people. What do you suppose? Do that, we have Workman's Comp? Do we have any of that other? So they got all kinds of room.
3: Well, to they, they're going to have uh, they're going to have Workman's you know, Comp. To grow. They're going to work have Workman's Comp very rapidly. And here's where I'm going with this. We got to go to break. I don't think that going forward, you can count on a bunch of stupid alumni to pay these people off book. You're going to end up paying them. And if you end up doing that at these incredible levels, I don't know that it works. Why, you, why, why would anybody make the assumption that if, if there's going to be a $10 million payroll for the Notre Dame team, it's always going to be out of Brady's Quinn off the books company?
4: You keep bringing up Brady Quinn. He's got less than 10 players involved okay, in that. Okay, I'm, I'm and saying. It's, it's a, you know, and and they're, they're doing work for not-for-profits.
3: I, he's pretty good at put, but I'm saying so,
4: it, Stop using that example and come up with something more like i got to deal with Levi's.
3: Oh, no, I'm talking about... The, the the alumni are putting this together, Kevin. The, my buddy from Michigan gets gets letters every week. Are you want to be part of this new group? We're going to pay all these Michigan players, the, the Southern Cal people. They're not part of the university. That's the whole point. It's so I, I don't know that you can that the alumni are going to be paying these kids off book ten years from now. I don't think I think somewhere along the line the college's got to bring that into their budget. Don't you think? You can Well, come. either that
4: or uh, or what the. Uh, what the people who are involved are paying is going to have to find its way to the bottom line.
3: I would agree. SB Futures, down 18. As if down 18, where's my rally here? Not so far. Come back with uh, Kevin and we also have Mr. Mike Murphy to opine on a lot of stuff. We'll be right back.
1: How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox.
3: Hello, I'm back, and Jack, I'm Tom Timo, Andrew on the board. Kevin, I just saw something on TV here. We've reached another new low. I don't know if you saw this or not. Remember when uh, we were talking about the COVID, and uh, and and one way you could find out if anybody in the university like had COVID was to check the wastewater. And like nobody ever wanted to do that, but it was you. Actually, you actually could do that. Well, now they're t- they're thinking about checking the wastewater of all these planes that come in from China, like. Could, could you even dream of this stuff ten years ago?
4: You know, <laughs> mention that when Carl's on, he's probably seen it already because yeah, he's been talking about he talked <laughs> about that years ago.
2: What if the guy yeah, with the
4: talked g- about that years ago? You know, uh, the um, uh, um, Rasmussen did a uh, poll of uh, vaccinated people. So 175, uh, you know, they, they you know they did it there with their margin of error was uh, plus or minus three. But uh, what they said is that um, that we've over, uh, we've underreported severe reactions
1: to the vaccine, oh, yeah. as, as determined by the people reporting it. But you know, just the severe was uh, would translate to 12 million adults. So, with the margin of
4: error plus or minus minus three percent, it could be as many as seven million, or as, as few as seven million, and as many as seventeen and a half million. And one thing to keep in mind in that poll, um, and, and these are just severe uh, side effects, um, not, not other uh, adverse reactions, but the, the keep in mind with that poll, anybody who died did not respond to the poll.
3: I'm going to say people who died didn't respond to anything, just saying. Yeah, that's SB right. SP futures down 22 they, they now. They right. Yeah, SP <laughs> <the laughs> futures down 22. The Futures down 100. So we're leaking. We're not turning around the other way, here, which I would like. Dow futures up 117. Over in Asia, we've got uh, the Nikkei's up, up 83 cents. I guess we'll call that flat. Uh, Hang Seng up 40.2%. Shanghai up 15.5%. So a little bit bullish over there. Over in Europe, not so much. DAX down 117.8%. FTSE down 31.4%. Kick around down 437 So down. You no, know, a percentage of what we were up yesterday. Uh, yesterday we're up three forty five in the Dow. S P up sixty six, but a huge day in the Nasdaq. Up two sixty four, two point six percent. Some of the stocks that have been down really had a huge bounce up. The bonds ten year on change at three eighty-four. The Bund three basis points higher at two point five zero. Japan uh down two basis points at point four two, a little less off that uh point five top they have there. Well down thirty-two cents, seventy eight oh eight, so that's low there. Rent down 28 cents, 83.18. Natural gas unchanged, 455. Arbob unchanged, 237. We've got gold, which I could use for a rally here today, but it's only up 30 cents. It's better than being down, like it was a while ago. 18.26. Silver down 13 cents, 24.11. We've got Bitcoin up, up uh, down 95, 16,493. So hanging in the mid 16,000s. And we have the US dollar slightly lower against the euro, unchanged against the pound. Andrew, what do you got for us? It's Trevi Miller Sports.
6: Alright, uh, it is 6.40 here in Chicago on December 30th. Uh, starting off with sports, last night the Cowboys beat the Titans, ending their game 27-13. 20, uh, to 13. And uh, on Sunday, we can just watch the Bears playing the Lions at 12pm. Uh, for, for basketball, the Bulls are going to be playing the Pistons tonight at 7pm, and the Suns are going to be playing the Raptors tonight at 6.30pm Chicago time. Uh, and the Blackhawks lost again to the Blues, uh, this time 3 to 1. And uh, now over to weather uh, in Chicago. It is currently cloudy at 48 degrees, and that's going to be the highest temperature we're going to get today. Over in Phoenix, it's cloudy at 54 degrees, and they're going to have a high of 63. Now finally for Chicago traffic, uh, we are nearly entirely in the green today. Uh, maybe one of the only things of note is out on the uh, uh, Eisenhower um Outbound near uh, North York Street, uh, an accident has been reported, but it doesn't seem like any delays are around it. So, any good day for good day for the roads?
3: Andrew, you're gonna have to call uh, Mr. Murphy. He's he's got a line busy.
6: All right, sounds good.
3: Um, so yeah, Kevin, I, it's when you look when you see how this stuff is going forward, and, and you see stuff counted and not counted. I I just wonder whenever whenever things are off balance sheet. I use the term. I really don't want the colleges turning into another Enron. Where I mean, I, I, <laughs> oh, yeah. See, As soon as you set off balance sheet, that was the first word that popped into my head. Well, because, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really like the idea. I mean, I, you know, nobody cares what I think, basically, but, um, but I think a lot of us here on the show have somewhat of a moral fiber to us. I don't, I, when, when, you, when, when Nebraska is using state money, let me, I'll show you the, the basis of this story is. I, don't know, I read one day, or someone of the listeners sent me this thing. It's a long time ago, long before COVID, when all the guys were still over at the Buckingham Club. And uh, one of my buddies, Dick Belden, you'll know Belden because uh, his brother played quarterback for Notre Dame and Dick was a Notre Dame guy. And Belden Brick still supplies, I think, all the brick to Notre Dame schools out of Ohio. Anyway, Beldo's a great guy, but, but a, kind of a nut job <laughs> when it comes to sports. So I go, hey, Beldo, you know, there's only four or five states in the country that the highest paid public employee is not either the football coach or the basketball coach. Like it's North Dakota where it's like the head of surgery for North Dakota's hospital or something, or it might even be the chairman of the school, Belda looks me right in the eye and he says, Tommy, why would anybody want to live in one of those states? <laughs> he, where, where they where they actually pay a surgeon more than they paid a coach. You, go, they
4: well, get, you, get you know, it, it, but it, it, it may well be that uh, you're going to get the uh, the old Babe Ruth line when, the, when uh, you know, he was asked about, you know, when, when he finally got a contract, he was making more than the president. And uh, they asked him about that, and he said, well, I had a better year than the president.
3: Well, it's, but I mean, at, at some point when was in Nebraska, I and mean, you know, you, you know the, the details better than me, the, the coach, uh, they fired a coach after what, one year in his contract, or half a year or some crap. They owed a guy like 16 million bucks. All right, so they, somehow the alumni come up with the dough, an off-balance sheet, how they, whether... They think they can deduct it or not. I have no idea how they, whether it's how they made it deductible for them. What whether they formed a a company, put in money, gave this guy money, called him an employee, whatever. I don't know how you pull it off. Honestly, tax wise, I'm not a tax guy. They, they, you know, they unhesitatingly they sign another guy up for like an 18. If they fire him the first year, or 20 the new guy. I mean, yeah, hope,
4: hope to God that one works out, don't you? But, uh, but, uh, but uh, again, we, we've done—you know—we we took apart some contracts on on the show. Haven't done that for a while. It'd probably be fun to do. Uh, you have to, might have to do a FOIA request to, uh, to get our hands on it. But um, it, it was it was somebody. I think it was Arkansas or someplace like that. And uh, half of the coach's salary was paid by their booster
3: club. I mean, I I mean, I I think that. I mean, that. that, I mean, that. That's just a separate
4: fundraising organization for the uh, for the athletic department, and uh, and and there were some stipulations in there about when the coach had to be available for uh, uh, appearances and things like that. But you know, half half of the money was not on the books of the. Uh, of the school, well, I mean, but this, is, this has been, you know, it, it, what we're really arguing is how out of whack is it? Not is it out of whack because it's been out of whack for a long
3: time. Well, there is, but is it? We have Mr. Mike. Yes, sir. Hey, Mike. Where's Where's where you? You 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 piled into a, a, an in- interesting discussion here. I guess this, the state of Illinois is friggin' broke. I mean, I don't know how Nebraska is doing. Do you really want to invest if it's your dough? $35 million in football coaches for five years. I mean, is it anywhere near appropriate? It, you know, someday. Something, maybe, something
4: that, maybe that's why Illinois is broke. Indiana isn't, because Indiana doesn't, clearly isn't spending a lot of money on great football coaches.
3: Well, Indiana had a better team in Illinois the last few years, didn't they? It was at least on par with them. I, I think. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. You know, it's hard. they but I don't.
4: I, I, anytime they've been on TV, they've been painful to watch. So well, let's get Mike. Anyway, let Mike chime in. Well let, yeah, we we I, can stop arguing. Listen, listen to the voice of reason.
3: Uh, Mike, I have a specific question for you, Mr. Weber. I was listening. If you were listening earlier in the week, the, the, it's, not, it's not so much that the kid from Iowa went to Alabama. I mean, Kevin's right. That sort of thing has been happening for a long time. But the point is that Iowa <clears throat> does not appear ready to engage in the new world. Now Alabama is not in the conference. Okay, so I guess you can say you lost the kid somewhere else. But Southern Cal, who's entering the, the uh, Big Ten, clearly is. Uh, they're in it with both feet with nineteen transfers this year. I mean, I don't see how those people and you—you explain how how do you, how do those two teams coexist in a conference with obviously to- totally set different sets of direction where they're heading with this.
7: Oh, uh, that's. Uh You know, that's a tough question, Tom, because some of these, you know, uh, some of these programs are going to have to decide whether they want to go whole whole hog or not. You know, and and Kevin has a valid point about, you know, it's all, um, you know, it's just how far do you want to go, you know. You talked about Northwestern. How far is Notre Dame willing to go to compete with other schools? You know, I personally think eventually Notre Dame's going to have to go into a conference. But are we willing to go all in with the ACC? Or you know, what's it going to take uh, for us to compete at a level that most Notre Dame alumni would want to would want us to be at? So you know, it, it, college sports it's not amateur sports; it hasn't been for a long time. So you know, what do we do? Well,
3: I think some schools are not are not going to go into it. They're not going to do it. They're going to bail. I mean, I my, I, I kind of lob Northwestern up there, but that that opinion's confusing because they they seem to be going ahead with a new stadium. I'm going to say Boston College might be out. I don't, you know, military academies. Lou's very concerned about them. I mean, well, doing... the
7: military academies can always downgrade, so they could go. They could play the Lehighs and the Lafayette's and places like that. You know, more or less, totally amateur schools. You know, but you know, Notre Dame could go that route too. But I don't know that the alumni would be happy
4: with that.
3: Well, I mean, Over, yeah, go ahead, Kevin.
4: Well, I, you know, it, it, again, it, is. You know, who who is really <laughs> ready to compete in this world. Um, I just said, well, I want to look up something on Iowa, so I have this on three uh, uh, NIL site. And I said, well, <laughs> the easiest one to look up is their star women's basketball player, because she's one of the best players in women's basketball. Um, she's got $143,000 worth of deals, Caitlin Clark. I think Iowa's in it, too. Well, um, I mean, you know, <laughs> they're getting that for a women's basketball player. I'd, I'd have to go back and search the school itself. Um, and, and, uh, and and I'm not that adept on this website yet that I'm going to do it on the fly. Um, but I, I am guessing that Iowa is into, are they in as, as big as Alabama or Texas or Texas A&M, which is, which is one of the interesting stories because they are heavily into, Pulling together these name, imings and likeness deals for their athletes, and yet they suck. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, which is putting Jimbo Fisher at risk uh, as uh, as continuing as the coach? But um, I, I, you know, I I think they're in it.
3: Well, I, Kevin, I think there's a slight I difference. It, I think
4: all of the Big Ten schools are in it.
3: I think they're. I think again, I'm splitting hairs. Why I do that because it's, I guess, it's my 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 yab and when I look at companies. I'm always trying to split hairs, but I think there's a huge difference between. Matter of fact, the first two two young ladies, and you guys probably know the name, was it like Georgia Southern or somebody? There were there were twin girls on the volleyball team that I guess were absolutely smoking hot, and everybody wanted them to be a model since they were like fifteen, and they couldn't do it because the NCAA said you couldn't sell your own likeness off off the books. Now they they uh, this is years ago they nine years ago, a few years ago they obviously had a, had contracts ready for them on their own, and I am going to say this girl maybe in Iowa is the same thing. I'm going to draw a line between. Well,
4: you're, you're, and you're thinking like you know, there's this uh, woman, Libby Dunn, with 2.6 million. Yeah, students, a, a gymnast at LSU.
3: Yeah, and no, but a very,
4: you know, very, very attractive young woman. So I'm sure. Uh,
3: but, I mean, I think that's that's that. totally different than than somebody at Iowa or Southern Cal or Notre Dame saying we have this huge alumni group that's arranged this thing for the offensive line. And by the way, if you if you transfer here, without you having a marketing agent while well, you do any work on your own next year you're you're 150 grand because you're part of the I think there's a that's different I mean I don't think that's what the supreme court intended I will you what I think of yeah. that
4: because uh, um uh, because it, you know as far as I'm concerned um the uh, uh it 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 can't be organized by the athletic department that the NCAA still has a rule that says that um, you know, there are no extra benefits for athletes that aren't available to the rest of the school. That rule is still on their books, and yet they have services out of the athletic department that are available for athletes to earn money. They're not available to the rest of the school. Now, I suppose you could move that over into their placement area uh, or whoever, whatever their career area is, and then say it's open to everybody. But of course, uh, all of you average schmucks aren't going to get it. But I would still feel better about the situation. If um, if if they were uh, um, the if, if they were you know if it were handled by people who are in that profession rather than
3: well the interplay uh, between
4: athletic department
3: sleeves ball the interplay between the uh, the alumni LCC, LLC which is what these things are. My buddy Mark, I'll just say his first name with the Michigan groups. It's always an LLC. I don't know if you guys if you knew that Mike, but it, that's how these alumni are setting these things up. Now, the interplay between the alumni L- LLC and the athletic department is what Kevin's obviously very worried about. What do you think?
7: Uh, you know, I, I don't know, Tom. It's just... Uh, you guys take a much more business-like approach to this than I do. You know, why would I want to contribute to... The Notre Dame Athletic Program, when I know it's already making money hand over fist, it, it, and your Michigan buddy, you know, with an LLC and the University of Michigan asking them for more money all the time. I just, I don't see, as you said, uh, I don't see people that are really going to do that long term, you know, maybe short term, but, you know, with college sports. Is, you know, it's a self sustaining behemoth, you know, of a business model. Although, you know, at smaller schools it's not, but, you know, at UVA, uh, for instance, you know, the baseball program, the basketball program are probably paying for the football program. And at Notre Dame, the football program is probably paying for everything. So uh, who knows? Hey, there's a, there's just going to be some serious issues with this name, image, likeness that schools aren't going to be able to afford it after a while, and I think you're right about that.
3: Well, for the alumni, I think those LLCs, Mike and Kevin, they're going to have to become profit centers. I mean, if you give if you talk me into, if I had it, if you talk me into giving a million dollars to one of these things, I might do it once. I'm not going to do it every year. That thing better. I mean, if you're going to get a hundred grand from Pete's Pizza, you better be only paying the kids seventy. I mean, the place has to be ready for next year, right? You're not going right. you're you're to blow. Hey, while we have you.
4: Well, oh, and that's where that's yeah. where a, a deal like you know, I know the Notre Dame offensive linemen have a deal with Mission Barbecue. Now, Mission Barbecue has got like 130 sites around the country, and they're you know really involved with uh, with marketing that, but that you know, that is the type of thing that would be sustainable if it is, if, 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 the, if it, if they can demonstrate the return on the advertising dollar from that, then they can continue to pay them annually, and that's, that's an independent company, that's not somebody's LLC, or, uh, or anything like that, that's, you know, that may be where this is all headed, is, is, you, you know, that sooner or later, you're going to have to show a return on some of this stuff, so, um,
3: well that process, that's just the
4: way it's going <clears> to <throat> work out.
3: If you follow the money, and I want 30 seconds more on this, that's it, because uh, I want uh, Mike to give us the, the uh, legacy of Pele here today because he's our man to do that. I think what's going to happen is this barbecue joint is going to send a check to the LLC for something. They're going to be responsible for showing up with the offensive line, and they're going to pay the offensive line some percentage of that money, not all. So that the LLC becomes self containing it becomes a, a business that essentially sells all this stuff for these students outside the athletic department, totally. But but then it's Notre. But they're the employee of Notre Dame because they're the ones that can tell them when to show up for practice, when when you got to go out to Southern Cal, what you can eat, when you got to work out. So it's kind of an odd relationship. But I think that I don't think this LLC is going to be a money loser every single year. But hey, we, we can talk about this for now, wherever. Uh, Mike, what's what uh. Untime, well, I guess eighty-two years old, but it's never too, never, never the right time. Uh, how how unbelievable was Pele? I, I have I have an idea that he was incredible. i read some story that some guy saw him at age twelve years old and said immediately this guy's going to be the greatest soccer player to ever live. Was he that natural? I mean, was he that far ahead of his time? I think the answer is yes, but you know better.
7: No, I the answer is yes, Tom. He was that far ahead of his time, and you know he won. He carried Brazil to three World Cups. And uh although you know the soccer world was probably a little less competitive then but still he was far and above the best soccer player in the entire world and you know even I'm not sure how late it was in his late 30s when he went to New York for the cosmos he carried them to a league title his first year so you know he' he's, he was just unbelievable you know you talk about, the greatest of all time? Well, Pele was the greatest of this. of he, I mean, he invented the beautiful game. Let's put it that way.
3: What? Uh, what did he bring to the game? Different that nobody ever saw before. I mean, uh, some guys were.
7: Well, v- I just read an article in the Post, and it was about you know he saw the, the uh, <coughs> soccer field as a chess match, and he was three or four moves ahead of his competitors. I think almost all the time.
3: What do you think that guy saw at him at age twelve? Just uh, totally ambidextrous with his legs and that fast, or what would you even see in somebody? He, I think he he
7: was just really quick, and uh, you know he had he had already developed. He started playing soccer, I think, at the age of five. His father was a, a you know a soccer player, like a, a minor league soccer player in Brazil, and then they his father ended up hooking him up with a national level coach at a at that very young age and then then he he actually quit school at, after the 4th grade and start just started playing soccer exclusively for this club Santos you know he was in their developmental uh, system and then at the age of 17 he played for the national team in the World Cup and wow. they won the World Cup that year
3: and was he was he like a uh, you know Will Chamberlain top of the gene pool he was faster than everybody else quicker I heard some story. He was the first guy to, to kick a ball over his head and land on his feet or something. That's something that none of us could do. I'm just saying.
7: Well, I, Tom, that well, I, I for don't yourself, know. I could do that when I was 20. Oh, God.
3: <laughs> You'd land right on your head.
7: <laughs>
3: but, I mean, yeah, but it, no, I he, were,
7: he was just a phenomenal talent. That, I mean, it, that's all. He,
3: he never played out of Brazil, though, did he, except for the Cosmos?
7: Well, they wouldn't let him play out of Brazil uh, because they declared him a national treasure, so they wouldn't let him transfer to Europe.
3: Really? How do you, how yeah. do, you do that? That's a uh, uh,
7: well, this, this, the country of Brazil. Whoever the president was, whatever. I don't know how they did it either, but they they specifically said he wasn't allowed to play out
4: of country.
3: Wow! So nobody's declaring us a, a national treasure, are they? <laughs> Anyway, Mike, uh, hey, thank you for know, helping I out. I think t-
4: you're kind of a national treasure, but... You're a local treasure,
3: to Yeah, I'm a local treasure. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, one of the nice things about next year is we have uh, Mike uh, opining in more. He certainly put a helped the show out a lot, and I thank you, Mike. Good, Happy New Year to both of you guys, and uh, hopefully well, I'll see Kevin for sure. Hopefully I'll see you next year a couple times, Mike, and... Uh, We'll head off the break here and we'll have Mr. Carl. SP features down twenty two, Nasdaq futures down one oh one. All right. Happy New Year. Tom. Uh, we need a rally. We don't have it. Uh back back in a minute. Stocks and jacks.
2: Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again.
8: 3456, that's 708-349-3456 or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com That's myhomesourcerealty.com
3: Stocks
2: Jocks, stocks and jocks You are out of control Right here, right now
3: Right here,
0: something
3: something happening here. Hello and welcome to Stax and Jack. I'm Tom Howard. Andrew on the board. SP Future's down on 25. And as if Future's down on 108. Is. If you're hoping for a rally, it looks like it's going the wrong way here. Do we have Mr. Carl? do. Where's my rally? We absolutely do. Where's my rally? I thought we get two days out of this. huh? Not so much.
5: You know, I think Santa Claus sat on top of the chimney and unloaded down it as yeah. opposed to going down it. Um, what the
3: what they say in the song? The Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost have taken the last train to the coast.
5: Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll tell you, this is a, this has been a very interesting. You know that you know the chestnut. Most of your listeners probably do, but maybe some don't. That typically speaking, because the a listers go on vacation to wherever they're going to go and people tend to be rather jolly and of good cheer or whatever have you. And, and, and people try to be optimistic in general, I think, you know, I mean, for the most part. Typically, the, the week prior to Christmas or the week prior to New Year's are really good years. Yep. You know, that's good. I mean, if, if, if there was a trade you could put on that won most of the time, it would be to buy the indexes a week before Christmas and sell them, you know, say, New Year's Eve although some people will say the first five trading days of the new year because the 401k money comes in, you know, things roll over. So if you're doing anything that's, that is, you know, tied to that sort of thing where there's limits, um, hey, guess what, they're gone because it's 1-1 again, right? So, <laughs> and, and, of course, you get tax loss selling and, you know, that kind of stuff that, that tends to offset that. People dump their losers so that they can offset their winners. Well, what happens when you didn't have any winners? Right? That shouldn't happen because there's isn't anything to offset. Right. So I mean, you know, if I've this year has been a pretty bad year if you look at this from a you know high to low kind of perspective. So you you get to the end of the year, you start thinking about it. You go, well, you know, Santa Claus is probably going to show up, but there probably won't be much if any tax loss selling because in order for me to do that strategically I don't want to take three thousand dollars off my gross income for the you know the next 75 years I'm not going to live that long um, and I don't have any winners that I sold this year to offset against so, so you think there wouldn't be much of that that's going on right
3: well we actually had uh, we some of the groups that I uh, manage money for we actually had quite a bit of it uh carl the, the the reason for that is if somebody had an index or something say you had to you know the queues at three hundred or three twenty or whatever the hell they were. And uh I've been you know, I've been uh protecting it, meaning I've had puts and sold calls against it. Uh we've got a lot of profits in the puts and the calls. So Oh yeah. So if you don't want to if you don't want to pay uh, that tax, you've have to sell some of the underlying at will at a loss to even it out. So even even if at the end of the year you're down a little bit, you could have a lot of winners. I mean Know, virtually every call we sold was a winner, right? I mean, uh, even though some yeah, they, some were burying us for a while, but they ended up being winners. Uh, but they, you know, so so if the stock's down forty bucks, you know, we might have made back thirty or thirty five or something. Well, that's all that's all completed sales. That's all done. So you got to got to you have to work on that a little bit if you don't want to pay any taxes.
5: Well, that's true. The the other thing though, it, it, the other thing is kind of interesting, and and uh, this you know is part of my you know, part of my strategy goes into my thing. Um and, and you know this, but some of your listeners probably don't, is that the rules when it comes to you know when it comes to taxation is that anything that you hold for a year or longer you get a, a favorable rate on capital gains treatment. But there's exceptions to this. So when it comes to index options and futures, you get a statutory split. On the, on the options, at, you have to elect. It, but careful with futures; it's, that's, that's the way it works.
3: Careful with that uh, when you say index options. Most people will say uh, the SPY or the QQQ is an index option. They're not; they're ETFs. That,
5: that's that's right. I'm talking about options on. Okay, it, but only certain ones. You're right.
3: It's and nobody trades those anymore. It's the OEX. Well, it's, it's the full size S and P, and it's the full size Nasdaq, which is the RUT. We haven't done a right. trade nose for anybody in five years.
5: Yeah, and so, the, but the, but that's the thing is that there you know there's certain exceptions that you have to yeah, you have to pay attention to right. get those. But that statutory split is mean, one of the things that makes that makes futures for you know for people that that decide to get into them and can manage the the leverage that they offer and, and not blow themselves up makes them interesting in that I don't have to submit a telephone book worth of of, of trading records at the end of the year of my taxes. Well, if, if you, so uh... Statutory split on the tax treatment.
3: If you gave me a slice of your, uh, of your wealth, say, a billion dollars to manage, uh, I would immediately do everything for you in the OEX because of the 60-40 split. Cause come, right, and, it, and, yeah. and, and,
5: you know what, it, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've traded a little bit, so back, back when I used to do mostly individual names, uh, there, there were years that the, 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 you know my tax return looked like a telephone book. Okay? Yeah, yeah. This, of course, was before the brokerages reported cost basis. So if you didn't track it and you didn't have it right, you, you were going to get pounded. Yep. And and so there were for quite a long time. I used to pay Wallers because Wallers had an online tool that you could feed in your your transaction stream into, and they'd actually go get it from the brokerages. You'd, they had to interchange with them. Uh, you, know, you had to give them the access to be able to do it. Uh, but they would do the the basis calculations for you and and they actually got it right uh, and and they charged a decent little amount of money for it, but it went, oh boy, was it a lot easier than doing it yourself?
3: <laughs> well when i when I first started before the tax acts of eighty four, everybody, even professional traders, were not marked to market. They were completed sales, right And because uh, re- right. retail people, actually, without going into too much detail. A retail person can opt out of that and say they're a professional trader. I don't know what they have to do to, to uh, but I've, I've had some of my clients have done that. Um, so you can become a, which means you are now mark to market and not individual trades. But b- back in those days, we'd get our our sheets every day. You got your sheets, I meaning you dove for your sheets, right? When you're when you're a trader on the floor because you had to make sure everything everything cleared and everything was okay. Right. So we would get this uh, the haircut sheet, which basically told your positions and how much your charges were for haircut. Which, it means, which is margin, necessarily. Uh, I don't know why they call it haircut, but they do. And then you would get uh, the graphs of every one of your positions, and we always had positions in, like, 40 stocks, so that was an inch thick. <laughs> and we get this thing called a status, where every single option you did, and if we did stuff in, uh, you know, like I said, I traded in the OEX, but I had two or three people. We had spreads all over the rest of the floor. So we probably had 40 positions, you know, mine being the biggest because I traded in the OEX. You get this status every day. Kind of the thing was an inch and a half thick every day. and Every single option in there that you had bought gave you the date and the price. Right. So, so if you had a 100 lot on your on your haircut sheet or on your graph uh, sheet, it, it would be one of these, four of those, six of those. It would have every single. The thing was huge. And what people would do, I never did. Well, it's the backers I had. We would, I'm going to say, if we made 100 grand, which was a lot in those days, if we made 100 grand... Uh, we would we would you know do some kind of we'd we'd pick a loser and we'd trade the loser next day and we'd we'd pay taxes on eighty or something we we were you know we were very temperate on this because my guys were were, were conservative guys and we didn't because what ends up happening is you spend the dough right <laughs> but the rest of the floor were all these young guys making a hundred grand right and, and you know we're talking about people that are twenty five years old well, they they right. would, they would never pay any taxes but from they might have been there from like seventy seven seventy eight. So 100 grand a year. You imagine, Carmen, you're you're a little younger than me, you imagine being 25 years old, making 125 grand a year, paying no taxes, where the apartment rents are like 400 bucks, beers like you know two dollars a bucket buck head. Talk about king of the world. Well, all of a sudden the Tax Act of '84 comes up, and all of a sudden it's marked the market like that year. All right. Of, all of a sudden all these guys got a tax bill of like 300 grand and it's gone <laughs> it's up the nose it's down the throat at some place <laughs> and uh it they that that thing took more equity off the floor than the than, than crash 87 i think
5: <laughs> yeah it's uh, you know tax there's 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 two things that have always been true when it comes to trading and investing in general and, and one of them is that you can't You know the tax the tax picture changes from year to year and especially when you know when major changes like that are made but if you if you trade around the tax implications with that as a primary goal not as a not as a okay i got to sell something let me select you know one of my losers right you're probably going to make worse decisions than you otherwise would well, so, because it's an externality, you can't control. I mean, now you know if you're going to sell, if you're going to sell three bad positions, um, and and you're going to pick the one that's going to give you the offset between short term and long term that happens to balance out where you made your gains this year. Uh, oh, okay, that's fine. But as soon as you start tr- trying to machine what you do around the tax implications, I, I would argue that you're you're going to make. Poor, less good decisions. Maybe not poor decisions, but less good decisions than you otherwise
3: would. Well, we had such an inventory of stuff, I could have done it easily and paid nothing, but we never did that. But the weird yeah, part, but most
5: people, uh, but most people don't. You are know, no, oh talking yeah. about individuals here. You know, I am saying in general, I, uh, it's it's just something I, I think a lot of people they do, and maybe it's not so wise.
3: Well, they, they actually had for people who were doing option spreading like I was. There ended up being probably twenty twenty five outside firms that caught wind of this that maybe had a you know a small steel operation or something they were putting a market maker down here just to not pay any taxes but here's here's go what happens see you you as not being a floor guy probably even you knows just about everything there were a couple of spots where you could go and do this you know just just for this and i was on a brown badge and i was i traded owens revlon and, and uh what was the other one i don't even know uh, evans products and uh Right next to us was the Litton Industries crowd. They traded Litton Industries stock. Well, every right. every year, Litton Industries would do something really, I don't know why the hell anybody would do this, but they would de- they would declare like, stock's trading like 35. So they would trade, they would declare a 2% stock dividend. If Everybody knows what that is. you get a, Instead of 100, yeah. 100 shares of Litton, now you had 102. But when you adjusted the options, you now had like a 32 strike and a 32.5 strike. Right, right. So what people would do, they'd come in all day long and either buy or sell that spread, and in the, in the market in the crowd, you had to pay like a sixty-fourth for it. So the company would come in and they'd say two, two and a half, and somebody'd say there, uh, it would be what? Uh, well, it would be, you know, a six, it would be what? How many sixteenths? It'd be seven sixteenths, nine sixteenths for the spread. Maybe less. Maybe it was a. Maybe it was even a thirty-second. Uh, so, because they'd split the trade. Say, say it was 7-16ths to 9-16ths. Okay, so you'd buy it or you'd sell it. it. didn't really matter. The idea is Litton kind of moved around, you know, generally. So two months later, the stock, instead of being 35, it would be 40 or 25. So one of those sides was a fat winner and one's a fat loser, right? So all you'd come in is you'd come in and roll the losing side and without really any risk. And then the thing, all you'd end up losing is your 16th on, on, on actual money. But you'd end up, if the losing side, that would be the side you'd buy back and then sell something else. And then you'd sell maybe another one above it and then just close the whole thing out January 2nd. So you, you essentially had, just, uh, it was just a tax spread. And there were probably three or four spots on the floor where you could do that. Or, But there actually was one lady who got in trouble. She was a broker. Talk about dumb, Carl. She, she was a broker and made all her money as a broker. And, and every year she did like one trade like that. So it was the only, the only trade in her entire portfolio was this trade. So the IRS got her. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know how they managed to find her, but they did. But if you had, if you, I, I literally would have 1,500 options on there. I could take two or three out of there and nobody would know. How would you know? I mean, especially if you were made hundred grand and you knocked it to ninety. I mean, who's going to come after you? Right. You know, but if you, but I, I'm saying it was, but there were people who, who represented companies from other industries. I mean, somebody like in your industry said, "Well, right. I'm, not, I'm not paying any taxes. How about, how about I go lose, lose some ordinary income on the exchange?" And now, the, the, the smart person, since interest rates were were pretty high at the time, would save the hundred grand you had to pay in taxes, put it in a CD, you know, make ten percent on it, and then pay the hundred grand next year. But, but that's now people twenty five years old are work <laughs> do they? Don't worry, I'll make more. Well, that money. yeah,
4: that's
5: uh, you know, <laughs> I, I used I used to be twenty five years old. I, I, uh, yeah, I remember those days. Did, then again i didn't have uh you know much more than two sticks to rub together at that point
3: so yeah i was i was never like that i always was I even mean, at that age i was still well, when i was 30 on the floor I was hiring people so i was i was always a very uh i, don't know, cons- I was 30 going on 90 i guess it was, was with well, the,
5: once, I, once i got into my 30s it was a, it was a different game yeah different it, game. you know but it's it, it's kind of like every 17 year old male is absolutely convinced that he's superman and cannot die oh yeah and, 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 you know, I mean, that's, and, and anyone who's not a guy looks at you, you, you know, every, every woman on the planet looks at you like you're out of your effing mind if you tell her this. Oh, yeah. But, but every single, I mean, every one of my friends, everybody I ever hung around with absolutely true. Yep, you're both and, true. You know, it's, it's just one of those things.
3: Well, yeah. the, guy, the guy who owns the, uh, the local bar, his greatest line is, I, w- I spent 90% of my money on, on women, fast cars, and booze, and the other 10% I wasted.
5: Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I, you know, <laughs> I I heard you talking about the whole Tesla thing <laughs> the first hour. Yeah, one of the what are the fascinating things, and I, I've I've been writing on this for an awfully long time, and, and uh, gee, some people are starting to get it the hard way. Uh, you know, over the over the picnic table, so to speak. <laughs> these companies, company, and and they're not the only ones. Uh, you know, look at Amazon. There's mm-hmm. another example for you. The, the, what, uh, what allows these kinds of price ramps to happen is the cost shifting and the cheap money out of the Fed when you have available credit at below the rate of inflation. All sorts of things look like great businesses and great operations, but in fact are bs and this is now coming home to roost, and we we got an example of it just in the last few days, that if if we don't change it, there's going to be some really bad things happening in this country within the next two to three, five years. Uh, you know, this, this so-called snowpocalypse thing, you know, of course, the, the Buffalo got hammered, and there were a few people that died because they were stupid. Uh, in, in the late 70s and early 80s, before there were cell phones, I lived where those kinds of storms were bog standard things in the winter. There was nothing special about the fact that you had a storm that dumped two feet of snow on you. It happened all time, and there was no cell phones, which means if your car broke down and you were, you know, at that time, a phone that you could use that wasn't in your house required a quarter, and it was ten miles away at the at the local gas yeah. station mm-hmm. yeah. in, a, in a booth, right? So. If you went off the road on a secondary road, or if your car just broke down or whatever happened, you—if you couldn't survive for 24 to 48 hours in that vehicle with what you had with you—you you were dead.
3: Oh yeah, without a doubt,
5: you were dead every single time. And so as a result, in the winter time, not only did you have winter tires on your car, so you had a, a better chance of not having that happen due to some you know some craziness. And but if you, if you were like me and like most people that were younger we didn't have any money so and besides cars stunk compared from a reliability perspective compared to what we have now you had a stack of blankets a a Something made out of metal, a candle, and some waterproof matches in that vehicle, no matter where you went. You can go anywhere without those things. And, that, and the metal thing and the candle is not to keep you warm. It is so you can take some snow and melt it and not die from the hypothermia trying to eat it as, a, as something to drink. Right. And you had a set of, a decent set of gloves in the car because in 10 degrees below zero weather, if you had got a flat tire you'd end up minus half your fingers from frostbite if you had to change that tire without a set of gloves on. All right? And I mean, that's just, that, that's, that's reality. All right? I don't care whether you like it or not, it's reality. And from, from roughly the end of October until the end of March, that stuff was in the back of your car. Every, I don't care if you were go, just going down the street to one of your friend's houses. It was there because if it wasn't there, you couldn't pick up this pocket computer in your pocket and call yeah. somebody for help, and you sure couldn't put up a post on Facebook saying that you know you're, you're expiring because of the conditions. Excuse me, uh, it, it, nobody went anywhere without this stuff. I, I don't, I don't care who. <laughs> and now, and now, we just had TVA in the last couple of days that's running around doing these and blackout things okay they're shutting off the power why well because they they don't seem to have enough generating capacity so they're doing rolling blackouts to manage the load this after they spent the last 10 years telling everybody to get rid of their fuel fed furnaces and put in heat pumps yeah it's uh all right so so we have we have the government people because TVA is a government subsidized and run thing. And by the way, it's not just Tennessee that they feed. They feed like seven or eight states in general. Their their actual peak available capacity during the middle of this cold snap was lower by quite a bit than their actual nameplate rated capacity for generating. Right, in other words, they they were not they were not running flat out on their design capacity and just ran out of capacity. No, no, this wasn't just lack of planning. This was pure stupidity. They put they took about 40 over the last 10-15 years. They took about 40 perfectly working coal-fired power plants and turned them off and bulldozed them. Now, coal-fired plants as long as you have coal work just fine. Yep and in fact they work better when it gets cold out because their cooling water that comes into their their heat exchangers is at a lower temperature and that improves the thermodynamic efficiency a little bit it's not a big change but it helps same thing with nuclear the colder the cooling water is that comes in the, the, the higher the difference in temperature between the high side and the low side on heat that is that is the definition of thermodynamic efficiency so so colder weather actually makes them go up okay so what we've done is we've taken things other than absolute reliability, and made those the priorities within our electrical generation capacity. Well, you know what? <laughs> when it's five below zero, the only thing you care about is that whatever your source of heat is, it works.
3: I don't. I don't. We were just kind of in a. Uh, uh, obviously, this this is a topic that you're bringing up that I find fascinating, by the way. But it, we've talked about f- maybe four different things in this short week. I don't know if you've been listening, but it seems like we're, wherever we're talking, we're talking about a lack of some kind of intelligent coordination on the part of people that are being paid to do this. And uh,
5: Well, look at Southwest Airlines.
3: Yeah, well, that's that's, that's a little I was going to ask you about that a little bit. But, I mean, the, the thing here in, uh, in Illinois regarding... the the cash bail and but it it has nothing because i you know i spend one night a week i'm sitting with judges and attorneys and i'm listening to all sides of the story so i can so i can report it to people because i'm fascinated but it all it always seems carl everything you talk about and we talk about in other shows it's all the same friggin subject it's nobody i mean the guys will say the attorneys will say okay now every every uh uh, bail or uh, arraignment now is going to be essentially the trial, where nobody's ready for it. So right. th- you have to make a determination whether somebody either doesn't get out or gets out. Okay, and uh, so there's no there's none of the there's no middle ground, which is a lot of bail, which people have to sign up for money, and it's somewhat of a tether for somebody. Maybe not so much of a tether, but but it's somewhat of a a middle ground. Okay, now whether it's ideal given some people have money and some people don't, I'm going to say it's probably a pretty bleeped-up system. But it serves some sort of a purpose, and it's there because the rest of the system is sort of bleeped up. So then I say to my guys, okay, if somebody's in there and he he gets arrested, guilty or innocent, he's in, uh, when's when's the fastest he can have a trial? Well, maybe a year and a half. Well, like, that's a long time if you're you're innocent or even if you're guilty. plus, Plus, Illinois... Unbeknownst to most, I mean, I certainly didn't know it, um, has probably the hardest, harshest gun sentencing laws of any state in the country, if not. Yeah. And then, so he says, if you got a guy who's, who used, who had uh, brought a gun to an armed robbery or, or in a carjacking, uh, even if he didn't use it, if he had one, it's I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this Wednesday night. I was hearing the story. It's a like 15, 20 year minimum. There's no, with no, no give.
5: If, if For, you, Florida's got that too. They've if, 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 the possession of a firearm during the commission of a felony is an automatic ten years. due every day.
3: Yeah, and, and I think if you if you if, and
5: if you actually and if you actually pull it and and discharge it, it's twenty.
3: Yeah, I mean it's the same thing. I think you know, it doesn't no matter
5: work. if you shoot it. If you actually if you miss, yeah, it still count.
3: Yeah, so but I mean what what it does is is my buddies tell me. There's there's no there's no plead guilty anymore anywhere. So it's not like right. if somebody's in here a year and a half, and you say, well, gee, you know, Carl's cousin who's you know kind of a bad kid, but not horrible. Got in with the wrong group, and he's doing this, and obviously he, he bleeped up, and he you know, well, instead of 15 years, he didn't he never used it, never pulled it out of his pocket, blah blah blah. Can you can he plead guilty and get three years and hope for the best?
5: The, the answer's
3: no. The answer's no. So right you got that on top of a year and a half to a trial <laughs> on top of all the other stuff they they, they all don't work together Carl <laughs> they don't I mean I, I don't think people want to be let out when 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 they're dangerous but you also can't be year and a half plus my buddy wins like every case cuz he says if they don't have video or they don't have DNA they can't get any witnesses right so most of these people are are being found not guilty, even though they probably are guilty, and would have been willing to to plea bargain down to three years and at least done something. So, I mean, the whole thing is is a cluster bleep.
5: Yeah, and it's, you know, but it's, there's this kind of so-called optimization, and Southwest is, is a perfect example of this. We have spent the last 20, 30 years in the United States. Everybody optimizes for get every last nickel of extra cost out of everything you do and that's you know that's behind driving all your supply chains to mexico or china or the, you know it's because it's a it's it, it labor's a nickel an hour over there when you can enslave people right so even with the shipping costs of moving things back and forth it's cheaper not maybe not a lot cheaper but it's cheaper okay fine but then you do this so you have no extra, no extra aircraft, you have no extra flight crews, you have no extra whatever. And then something goes wrong. There's a storm. And, <laughs> hey, there are laws that are involved in this thing. Uh, if you're a pilot and you run out of hours, because you spent two of them sitting on the tarmac waiting to get off on, to get off the ground on your last flight, right? And you're, you only have you, you have eight or 12 or whatever. I don't know what the in-service times are, but the, the truckers have the same situation that comes up. If you run out of hours, you're not flying again until you get the rest. And it doesn't make any difference. What the situation was that led you to hour out, and so you sat on the ground for three hours waiting to have your plane deiced and the and the uh, you know the runway clear of snow. Um, guess what? You don't have enough extra pilots and enough crew to move the plane from this place to that place, and it needs to be over at the second place because that's where the flight's supposed to originate out of four hours from now.
3: Um, I'm, I'm going to we're going to do this after after break, uh, Carl, because I. I love. I don't know why I love talking about this because it's the only class I ever got a D in. Uh, I took a class here in Chicago called Integer Programming and Network Flows. And you're probably the only person on the show that knows what the hell that even means. Uh, and it was it essentially was a study of maximize maximization scheduling issues when the the the, the number the answer had to be a full integer because you can't right. take because you can't take half a pilot, right? So right. You know, <laughs> so it, it is by far the the hardest thing to do in mathematics other than maybe, you know, getting somebody to moon and back or something. It's uh, really tough, yeah. Because it, it's all, it's a different type of mathematics that, to be blunt, I didn't understand really. because I was always really good at stuff you could actually solve. These things are all this, uh, it's like a, it's like the salesman coloring problem, which for years and years nobody could solve. And You ask yourself, what the hell is that? What's this chief talking about? Uh, let's say, for instance, we're going to send Andrew out and he's got to make Fifty stops today, and we put on a map where the fifty places are. To try and find the best route, there is an, an incredibly difficult mathematical problem. And it's
5: well, this is, a, this is a, yeah, and UPS spends an awful lot of money to do that.
3: And a matter of fact, for years and years, there was no answer. Till finally, somebody found an answer. But the answer is in some massive program where you're not adding and subtracting, or doing calculus, or doing trigonometry, or anything. You're essentially taking a move and pivoting back and forth, where you, where you constantly try out different directions, and, it, and it's a, it's a you, you essentially build the formula as you try it out. Correct.
5: Um, for the most part, yeah. There's I I used to write code that did a somewhat well actually compared to some of the network systems that are out there now, much simpler version of this. Um, back in the days of the 80s and, uh, you know, language. And yeah, it's it's a complicated thing. You know, it's like, well, I have to get these things connected, but I can't disturb this, this, and this.
3: Right. Yeah. Because
5: these are in use and online, and I can't touch them. And and it's, uh, you'd think that that's just a, a truth table kind of thing that you write, and it, it doesn't work that way.
3: No, because, you know, it's, it's three miles from this place to that place. Like if I go here first, then I go there, and I come back, if, it, if it's three spots, you can do it in your head, Right. Four or five, right I mean,
5: yeah the problem is when it's not when yeah. it's, it, 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 the difficulty becomes exponentially more difficult right. over as as the size of what you're trying to solve for expands
3: less well, if your futures up down 26 Nancy, if your future's down 122 if we're going to rally today we're going to come out of a deep hole here we'll be right back stacks and jacks
8: stocks
3: jocks and stocks and jocks you are out of control right, here. right now right here right now right now well, stocks and jocks sometime I'm how enter on the board looks like we're having a day here uh the end of 2022 uh just like the rest of 2022 in the crap Yeah SP futures down 27. NZ futures down 121. Dow futures down 147. We're now erasing eh, roughly half of yesterday's good day. Over in Europe, we've got uh, the DAX down, down 148. That's a whole percent. Uh, FTSE down 60 60.8. CAC around down 54.83. So we're not getting any help over there. We're in Asia. Not, not so much. Nikkei up 83 cents. I'm going to call that flat. Hang Seng up 40.2 percent. Back to 19,700 after spending some time of the year below 15,000 so they've made a huge comeback. Shanghai up 15, uh, 15 to 3,089, uh, that's 0.5%. Uh, yes, uh, yesterday's review, Dow up 345, S&P down 66, so we're, we're, we're maybe a third of it back. NASDAQ up 264, that was a huge day, 2.6% to the upside. A lot of stocks have really been drilled, had a big bounce yesterday but uh, not so much today. Uh, bonds up four basis points, 3.88, trying to get back to four. The Bund uh, up 5, over 2.5 again, 2.51. Japan down 2.42. Uh, we've got oil down 32 cents, 7808. All the people who said oil was going to finish the year at 120, uh, not so much. Uh, Brent down 30 cents, 83.16. Natural gas down 6 cents, 4.49. And we'll have Carl opine why everybody's gas bill is up by like 50, 100% in some places. Natural gas, the same price it was at the beginning of the year. Our Bob up a penny, 238. We've got gold uh, down 230, 1823. Silver down 19 cents, 2405. Uh, we've got Bitcoin. Oh, now we're down 125 to 16,462. And we've got the U.S. dollar uh, actually uh, up a little bit against both the euro, very little bit. It's 106. These things are the same numbers 106 euro. Uh, the British pound is 120. Been like that for a few weeks. Andrew, what do you got for us, Trevig Weather Sports?
6: All right, it is 7.37 here in Chicago on December 30th. Uh, beginning off with sports, last night the Cowboys beat the Titans, ending their game 27-13. to And on Sunday, the Bears are going to be playing the Lions. That's going to be at 12 p.m. Uh, tonight for basketball, we can look forward to the Bulls playing the Pistons at 7 p.m. And the Suns are going to be playing the Raptors at 6.30 Chicago time. Now finally, uh, over to hockey. The Blackhawks lost to the Blues three to one. For Chicago weather, it is currently cloudy and about 48 degrees, and 48 is going to be the highest we're going to get today. Over in Phoenix, weather is cloudy at 54 degrees, and they are going to have a high of 63. And now, finally, for Chicago traffic, uh, there is almost no updates I can find. It is looking very green, very clear on the expressways. So, not a bad day for traffic at all. That's all I got.
3: Um. So, Carl, in the uh Southwest thing. I mean, I'll bet you all the PhDs they have on their, their employee constantly work on this algorithm. Whatever they do, but but like you're saying, as you try and cut it down so little, I'll bet some of your your uh, pilot groups, which would be two people, sometimes I bet leaving out of Chicago, they got to take a six o'clock plane because their their day starts in Cleveland or something because they're matching things up. And I'm going to say that once you start to fall apart. And you can't ferry people from place to place. How do you start the thing back up again?
5: Well, that's well, that's entirely the problem. So, you know, there's <laughs> back back in the nineteen eighties, um, I I took a New Year's Eve flight that literally had two people on it. I was one of them. Really? There were there there were more stewardesses on that plane than there were passengers. Okay. Now, needless to say. Uh, that was a very pleasant flight from my point of view, and uh, this was back in the days when uh, flying was much less of a beer can kind of experience than it is today. What <laughs> I was I was invited. Hey, you know, um, once once the wheels are up and uh, nobody can uh, can complain about this, uh, go 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 sit up in first class, and we'll bring you as many drinks as you want because you are know, you're, you're one of two people on this airplane. <laughs> but the whole reason they flew that that flight and didn't cancel it because it made absolutely no sense for them to to, to pay for the fuel to ferry two of us right yeah (laughs) the one reason they flew that plane instead of tossing me out of my butt and saying you're not going today have a nice day is is that they needed that airplane the next day in the destination location correct that plane had to be there so one way or another no matter how many people were booked on it that that airliner was going to fly because if, even if it had zero people on it that segment had to be flown and and the the problem with systems like this is that you you want to reduce those sorts of things because they cost you a lot of money and you don't get a revenue from them but if you reduce them too far and then something goes wrong the entire thing falls apart right oh yeah because because this plane isn't in Detroit where it needs to be but that means the crew's not there either and unfortunately the guy who you would otherwise tap on the shoulder and say hey by the way you know we're going to pay you time and a half or double time to you know to fly it he's out of hour right he can't fly the segment
3: well the other airlines sleep
5: for eight hours before he can get behind the the wheel again
3: you think uh, you think you you Southwest is having you know I'm I'm just it at the air here the other 737s I'm gonna say every pilot and I don't know this I'm gonna say every pilot could fly either to 300 400 or 800 so that's why Southwest has only had one kind of plane so all the fly right I'm gonna say that now the, 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 the max uh, are those guys the people who fly the max are they are they are they the same they're they, they,
5: I don't. So I'm a I, I, I'm I'm not an expert in this industry when it comes to you know how these how these type certs cross, okay. Um, but my understanding is that the cross certification uh, for the max is is relatively trivial and is not a not a substantial uh, difference. In other words, you know you might need some simulator time or whatever have you, but it's it's not like, for example, uh, qualifying to fly an Airbus. Uh, if you fly Boeings. The, uh, okay, which are completely different aircraft.
3: Remember remember uh, back in the day when they, when uh, United was like every hour on the hour in New York and, and uh,
5: America was like every half hour? You oh, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, gee, between Chicago and Atlanta, which I used to fly all the time because I was doing contract work down in Atlanta and I lived in Chicago. Uh, you, missed, you missed a flight and it, it, you were at O'Hare. In another half hour 45 minutes, you can get another one.
3: Well, they used to have a couple of old seven twenty sevens that only flew yeah. back and forth like a couple of times a day. Well, the weird part, my buddy Doctor J was always more advanced than me when it came to travel. Uh, he'd say, "Chief, you got to check uh, the return flight." I go, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, because the plane is going out there and coming back. If they don't have enough people on the return flight, they're just going to cancel it. You know, because right. you, you're another one an hour. So you always got to check it. How many people had the return flight?" before you go out to the airport, because otherwise you're not going anywhere, which is... but i got a real brief story, because we've got so much stuff to talk about in only 20 minutes. Uh, we had a board meeting in New York, talk about you had two people on a plane. This is a story that's so... I'm going to say so high school that I don't, won't even get there, but all the people in the CBOE would be ba- back and forth to New York and Washington all the time, right? So they were always these gazillion mile people and always were in first class. And I was just... I was on the board. I got to... I got to 100,000 miles one year, you know, I mean, that was one year I did, I was never that big of a flyer, so, these guys, we get all these first first class coupons, right, so we're coming back, the, the board and the staff is coming back from a meeting in Washington, we go out to, uh, what's the, uh, National, which is now Reagan, and we go out there and we're sitting there, there's this 727 sitting there, and all of a sudden, nobody, I was, you know, I was, I was fine, there's nobody around, I was fine, getting myself a, you know, a, a, a exit row seat as long as have room for front of my legs. I'm cool. You know, I do the, the staff was very nervous of a board member sitting in coach and they're sitting in first class. You know, it was just something they didn't want to do back in those days. So everybody's giving everybody's first class tickets. So somebody hands me a first class ticket, I go, okay. Every seat in first class was taken by like five other people plus the CBOE people. There wasn't a soul in coach. Not one. It has to be the only time ever in aviation that that happened. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, can you? Imagine? I looked in the back of the plane. I go, there's nobody there. <laughs> and, and we were, we were butt, butt the elbow in first class. Well, you got big seats, but I'm going. This is so, this is so weird. <laughs> I, feel, right. I hope nobody takes a picture of this and puts it in the paper. We will look like a bunch of idiots. But anyway, but the I'm going to say, you know, Southwest is going to have trouble getting that I don't know how you even start that thing up. But hey, Carl, what about? This year, I mean, we've got some of these new laws that came in. We've got gas bills that are up, even though gas prices aren't up. We've got, I mean, uh, this some of the stuff that's gone down this year, I, I, I don't know if we're going to recover from some of this. It,
5: well, now, now hold on a minute. Now hold on now. So let's, let's talk about this gas thing, because you, know, you made that comment as we were about to go to break. Um, and, and I've brought this up before, too. Everybody seems to think that this idea of, of you know, natural gas, the $2 futures, uh, is, is normal. Um, I, I anybody that is crazy enough to not have some kind of dual fuel option needs to go look at a twenty year weekly chart of slash NG. Yeah, and if that does not make you scared that that could happen to you, by the way, the high on that um, over that twenty year time period was back from the, 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 the right at the beginning of 06 In other words, the worst possible time, right? Right when you're going to have eat. Fifteen sixty five. Yeah, oh yeah, seven times where the the sort of average has been over the last you know ten years or so. Everybody seems to think that two to three dollar gas is like the normal thing. And I'm talking natural gas, here, not gasoline. And yet, you know, right now it's quoted at four. You know, four, uh, four, seven, five, uh, is, is where it's trading at the moment. Um, excuse me, that's that's a double. And you're wondering why your gas bills up. Well, there's the reason. Okay, so it, this, but this is the kind of craziness, and it, and this is one of the things that makes getting rid of the coal plants when it comes to electrical generation so stupid, because the price of coal does not fluctuate like this. It never has. We've you know I mean, we've been using coal for fuel for you know, about 150, 200 years, and and for electrical generation for about 100. And there has a, that kind of fluctuation. There just doesn't occur, but it does in natural gas all the time. And we didn't. We get lulled into this complacency that it's just never going to happen again. TVA. Since I brought it up, I'll put some numbers on this. Their their supposed generating capacity is thirty four gigawatts. Okay, this is their net their net generating capacity. They ran out of power midday Friday at twenty three. That's not good. Think about the, as a percentage, so about a third of what they supposedly can generate, they couldn't generate when they needed to generate it, and this, and this is the problem with renewables: the sun doesn't always shine, and the wind doesn't always blow. And by the way, when are you going to want if if you have everybody heating using electricity, whether it's by heat pumps or by electricity, whatever? which they're trying to mandate New York, by the way. No new installations right. of gas-fired anything is, which is in new buildings starting That's within the next few years. When When is that going to happen in the wintertime? It's going to happen at 3 o'clock in the morning when it's 5 below zero. There's no sun, and there may not be any wind.
3: A couple of uh, straightforward questions, not that they're not, not all, but uh, we had the three coal plants here in the city, and now they're all toast, but uh, and they were talking about how you know camel again it 's a long story but bottom line is the number was like three hundred million bucks to bring one up to the new EPA standards or something something if you brought one of those places say you didn't do all three say you did one or two if you brought it up to EPA standards how how dirty is that
5: it's not but that's not the problem what what repeatedly happens and the reason that the that these plants have been shut down is that Let's say that you need to take it offline for routine maintenance, okay? The steam generator is old, and you need to go through it and make sure that all the bundles are fine and they're not leaking and, you know, this kind of thing. Bog-standard stuff that is, you know, is expected from anything, right? Yep. Okay. So you go to do this. When you go to bring that thing back online, the EPA requires that you meet, the, you meet current standards,
3: well, I mean, there is some number, though, where... a cold well, then, I, uh, Yeah, yeah
5: but, but see, you see what the problem... Chief, the problem is, I can't, on a forward basis, I can't predict what that's going to be five years from right. now. And therefore, I don't know how much money I'm going to have to spend and whether or not it makes economic sense. And so what, these, what the generating firms are doing is shutting that stuff down. And It's not because they can't run them. It's because if something like that occurs... They lose money.
3: Well, I just uh, I, there was a thing yesterday, a thing, an article in CNBC talking about where we get all our our power now and where it was ten years ago and the progress, progress we're going to call it we're making. I don't, I don't see how just, just like with the issues with the uh, you know the crime and punishment here in Chicago, why, why can't we plunk you know twenty five people at Camp David or some other place for a weekend and say, okay, if we take this approach. We're gonna have we're gonna clean up some coal plants. We're not gonna get rid of all of them. We're gonna do this. We're gonna. By the way, we're gonna have some of the new type nuclear ones that you're always talking about. And, and, and by where are we? 2023 as of tomorrow or as of one Sunday, by the year 2030, we're gonna have a few of these nuclear plants online. We're gonna do this a lot more of, of the wind and solar if we can. So we're gonna up these percentages by a little bit so that. You know, come twenty thirty two we can actually support a, a car population that's twenty five percent electric, which we can't do now, uh, especially in the places where they're dying to get them California and other places. Why can't we have some sort of a rational approach like this? Wouldn't it be just as easy instead of all this crap?
5: Well, uh, but you can't get there from here with the with the competing goals, and that's the problem. the when you're talking about so so the the electric car thing. And, and I, I don't care what anybody wants to argue on the other side. Facts are facts. Physics is physics, and there isn't any way can get around this. It, Tesla makes a very nice sports car, okay? But nobody in their right mind would consider a Porsche to be a daily driver that has to get you from point A to point B no matter what's going on, all right? Because you're not going to drive your 911 when there's, there's six inches of snow on the ground. Right, you're going to end up minus a 911 if you do that. So, the you know, nobody does that. Okay, fine. Guess what? Battery-powered cars are the same thing. Now, light battery hybrids, where you have a gasoline engine that can, that can indefinitely propel the vehicle, uh, maybe those make some sense. But the complexity and the cost there is much higher than just using the gasoline in the first place, and they're not clean when it comes to all of the end-to-end costs. And and furthermore, it is physically not possible to replace the internal combustion engines of our transport our personal transportation system with battery powered vehicles because there isn't enough of the material in the Earth's crust to make the batteries.
3: Probably, yeah.
5: So it can't be done. And and by the way, Elon Musk knew this when he started Tesla. This is not something that just magically showed up in people's consciousness over, you know, over the last you know year, six months, or whatever have you. The, the known reserves of the things that go into these things have been known for decades. So here is, here is a guy who literally sold you snake oil, and the stock price of Tesla, the company, Shot the moon on the premise that we were going to be green. We were going to worship at the altar of Greta. We weren't going to despoil the Earth anymore because we we have our dirty Suburbans. We're going to get rid of them all and drive electric hey,
3: cars. Hey, hey, I got a Suburban.
5: Hey, you know what's so the why? There's sitting yeah. in my driveway. And and you know what? We're not going to do that anymore because we're not going to be pigs. And therefore, da da da. The whole thing was BS. It was garbage. And we did the same thing with the power grid. You have states. They're mandating California and New York, and I think there's a couple of others as well. Uh, Illinois actually may be one of them. No gas connections in new construction. Uh, uh, You know that sort of thing is crazy. Sure does. Now I have I have a heat pump here, and I'm about as far north as you can go, and actually have this work from a numbers perspective. And when it's reasonably, you know, when it's moderately cold, it's it's a huge win. I just got my power bill for the month of December, including this craziness the last few days. Right, and it was 200 bucks' uh, uh, everything else so I paid about a hundred dollars this month to heat the house.
3: Carl, how does my, my nephew tell me that there's now some heat pump out of Japan or someplace that actually can can move you 70 or 80 degrees in that 40 is that true?
5: Um, so the mini splits which are those little things Mitsubishi makes them there's a handful most of them are Japanese uh, the, the mini splits can provide usable heat down to about zero whereas now my unit can keep the house at its set point assuming you don't go changing things uh and and it's a fairly old one so oh seven it's still r22 okay so it's even before the latest generation uh it can hold set point down to about 18 17 18 degrees
3: i thought they were was it, was it, they could, they could raise the air temperature, what, 40 degrees or 38 or something? I thought when I first
5: Well, it, about heat it, it, yeah, no, it's, well, remember, it's, it, raise the temperature means from the intake of the duct to the outside. It's not the, the delta, the shift between the outside temperature and the inside temperature. Okay, I thought okay. that's what it was, all right? So they. so even, even when it was five degrees out outside, uh, there was warm air coming out of the vent from the heat pump at my house. Okay. Okay problem is the house is losing heat faster than the heat pump can replace
3: it <laughs> uh, hey Ken, we have five minutes I'm gonna shift some gears to the to market here uh, I'm gonna next couple of weeks I mean obviously I'm gonna be talking to a lot of clients we' in review and yeah Carl the, the one conversation that I absolutely abhor and I'll use that term I can't because I I, I I don't because I honestly don't know what to say I mean I'm, uh, I'm the best guy there is for hedging your stuff for for uh, you know, talking about putting into place what you want to do in, a best, in the best way to do it, but the hardest conversation you can have with anybody is, "I own X, Y, Y, a hundred bucks. I thought it was a good buy. Now it's seventy. What do you think?" I am like, is. Do I? I shouldn't have to. I shouldn't have to protect it here because, after all, it's a hundred dollars stock and it's seventy. How do you? How do you fall? Even me, because I am. You know, I've been doing this and I am about as as trying to be as objective as I can about these things. You e- you have some sort of a slave to if X Y Y was a hundred and now it's fifty. The, even in the back of my mind is man, I probably don't have to hedge it as much at fifty as I did at a hundred. Yet sometimes it's only worth ten and you, and you're only halfway there. I mean it's in these companies that you can't really get a a value. It's not like they're making eight dollars a year and sending you a check for three where you can you can really value them and say well I don't care if they're to sending me a check for three I'll pay I'll pay thirty and if it goes to twenty in the meantime I don't care. You probably care, but you don't care as much. Uh, The the idea of you know Tesla going from 370 to 120, I don't know. Is it was the were the people who bought it at 370 have a shred of intelligence? Is it anywhere near it worth that? I'm thinking the answer is no. But I mean, at 120, it sure looks like one hell of a discount. I don't. My instinct is not to hedge it as much here as I would at 370. But I don't know if the thing's only worth 30 if we go into a, if we go into a recession and all of a sudden it's just another car company. I mean that's a really hard discussion to make. Where where do you come out of, where do you think we are on this Q's? I mean are we are we halfway to the downside or are we are we at the point where it's a bottom and I I have no idea this what
5: yeah honestly. Chief all of the all of the companies that got that have any sort of stock price as a result of the leverage of cheap money.
3: Yep. Well, that Every single
5: one of them is going to have to get that off the book. And for a lot of them, it's going to bankrupt them. They're not going down 50%. They're zeros. And by the way, you think that kind of thing can't hit someone like Amazon. You're wrong. Well, it can. Amazon, for years, has been shifting their losses on physical product sales through AWS well guess what cloud computing is just somebody else's computer and it's more expensive than doing it yourself unless you need search capacity because you've got to pay people and nobody work for free and more people that have their fingers in the pie the less you know, the more money it costs that's the way it works and I you know I you look at what if you buy things on Amazon and you haven't noticed that all of a sudden if you don't have prime they're quoting two week shipping times now
3: yeah hey uh I have a, a really uh, a, actually a client has become a very good friend uh, said to me yesterday, Chief. Always look at the number the stock was before February before COVID. If it's not yep. below, if it's not below that number, it's not it can still go, it can still go further. I think there's some truth to that. I mean, I not you know, I, don't no, know. I
5: think you got to look at what it, where it was before the crazy the, this last crazy ramp driven by zero interest rates, and that means you need to go back to 2007.
3: Yeah, I I I'm with you on that. I mean it's uh yeah, I don't uh well, I, you know, we we'll talk a lot more this year about the CPI and all the other stuff in the Fed policy, but I didn't want to do that today. What? uh so what do you what do you see for the new year, bud? You got we got a minute? I mean are, are we gonna are we gonna bottom out here early and at least be decent investments uh, for the rest no, of the year?
5: I, I think you're gonna get a double bo- you're gonna get a bounce and then another big dive. And the reason is this omnibus that was just shoved through Congress essentially took the capacity for the republicans which are thought of as being fiscally conservative but they're not they it took their ability to do anything fiscally off the table for the next nine months so you have a a drop in the ppi and the cpi which has shown up and and that looks like sort of good news and that's part of what's tempered this decline the problem is that spending is going to be immediate inf- immediately inflationary over the next six months so you have a false dawn here what's the, what's the and time when there? that sh- starts to go back into the numbers the fed's cranking on the on you know on the, on the yeah. uh, screws so to speak is going to go back into high gear because they're going to have to
3: Carl, what's the uh, real real we got no time here but Dan was on yesterday he said that... His clients, I mean, his companies that he invests in, he does a lot of these smaller ones that are actually into some of these infrastructure things like, you know, asphalt companies and stuff. Right. So he says they're just starting to get some of the money from the first bill like 18 months ago. Is it, what's the right. lifetime on this stuff? Is it like a couple of years?
5: Oh yeah, it can be. And and that's but that's the problem, is that there's a lot of people who think that this that the inflationary impulse is basically past us. You're wrong. It's a it's a double whammy and the second one's gonna be about as bad as the first and we're gonna to start to see it in the first half of the year. So watch out because whatever you see over the next two to three months is not the end of that show.
3: Carl, happy new year, buddy. I really enjoyed your two thousand three. Thank you again for all the, the insight. Boy, I've learned a lot from you. Hopefully you've learned something from the rest of us and uh Let's, let's, let's have a better year next year than this year, and I'll, I'll be around healthy at the same time. SP Futures down 25 NASDAQ is down 110 uh, Back on uh, Tuesday, Stocks and Jocks.
1: You're still here? It's over. Go home.
2: Go. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to ptisecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at ptiprodirect.com. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.